Welcome all to Vocation Chats. Uh, this is an amazing. This is gonna be an amazing episode. Yeah, this Chris. this is definitely. I keep we keep upping the bar. I know, like Jason Everett, and then all of a sudden we have three sisters of life in the, the studio tonight. Of life. What in the world? My <laughs> mind is about to explode. I'm so excited. I know, right? The joy just emanating from these sisters oh across my the gosh. table, is and they're incredible. literally just giggling, <laughs> and it makes me so happy. And there's the joy. I'm going to like, it's frothing over. I love it. I can't wait. And a native (laughs) daughter to boot. Yeah. Uh, What? Mm -hmm. Can you say more, Father Chris? Sister Mary Catherine, can you Mm -hmm. introduce yourself to the the audience? Tell them a little bit about yourself, where you're from. Hi, I'm Sister Mary Catherine, and I'm a sister of life. And I am here back in my home diocese of Syracuse, New York. What, what? (laughs) Yeah. I was born here. I was raised in um, St. Michael's Parish growing up in Central Square. I was baptized there, received my sacraments there. And I was like a little youngster climbing around the church as I was growing up. You were, and then you came back post-college. Yeah, and I was on Father Chris's uh, youth ministry team, actually, for a life team for a time. She was, but she also did something pretty cool. Um, (laughs) Sister, what what did you do in your spare time when you were back (laughs) in town? I loved sports, and actually in college, I decided, you know, on a whim to play rugby. And so I played rugby in college for four years, and so when I graduated college, I joined the Syracuse Utica rugby team and so played that while I helped father. What position, <laughs> sister? I, I did a couple positions, but mostly I was a second second row. So that's like if you know rugby, um, so you're in the pack. So you have two parts Ooh. of the rugby team. So you have the kind of the people who run around and score all the points. And then you have the other people who do all the tackling. And so that was my, I was the tackling side. So You were the tackling side. Now, I did you have to protect your ears when you were in for... <laughs> You I did. Oh, yeah. look at that. Yeah, because you didn't want to get cauliflower ear. That's something no. gross you all can look up. But now you don't even have to worry about that because you have a veil that kind of covers exactly. it, right? Yeah, so I've, always, I've always been comfortable <laughs> covering my ears. So, all right, yeah. so how about our other sister? Introduce yourself, please. Sure. My name is Sister Maria Frasati, and I'm originally from Boston. 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 Wow, Frasati. Frasati. You both have solid names. Like, <laughs> amazing. So Boston. So does that mean you're a Red Sox fan? It does. Ooh. I'm not sorry. I know. I've been careful. A lot of. Do you know how much virtue I have to grow in when people look at me in my blue and white habit and they say, "Now, come on, you got to be a Yankees fan," and yeah, I absolutely. don't see anything. <laughs> do you know how many points? Oh, virtue. actually, when you said you were a Red Sox fan, the lights flickered. <laughs> I know. But I, can I say at least one thing? So right now, um, they're playing the Astros. I heard. And it, quite frankly, I find myself twitching and almost <laughs> cheering for Boston. Really? Oh, is that something uh, the sisters are, are there a lot of? Because clearly the two of you are sports fans. Is that? It differs in the house. I find mm-hmm. that, yeah, it differs in every house. I feel like not everyone in my house quite catches. It's also just where you're from. Like you grew yeah. up in Boston. Like, you know, you're a Sox fan. It's like, you know, the sky is blue. Two plus two equals four, and you're a Sox and a Pats fan. And mm. not everyone, you know, you come with sisters in different backgrounds. So it's true. Well, actually, in the first nine months of entering religious life, I found myself at a Yankees game, 
in a postulant outfit. Yeah, wow. someone yes. just someone donated Yankees tickets, and I'm, I you know I love sports, so I was like I'm all in. I would love to go to a Yankees <laughs> game. So that was that was really a fun experience. Did they put you up on like the jumbotron or anything like that? No, they didn't. We were in like the nosebleed seats, so I don't know how many. <laughs> but they'll really find thought. you. You stand out. Oh, they, yeah. it's true. The other night they just had like the Nashville Dominicans at I one of the games. Saw that. Did you see that? Amazing. Yeah, they Zoom were like down. up on that, and I think they were in the nosebleeds because they stuck right out. It's amazing. Yeah, that's funny. So sisters, amazing. So. Like, what? what does, like, your life even look like? I mean, for a listener today, I mean, here clearly you're traveling on the road the last couple of days through our diocese, visiting all of our Catholic high schools, which must have been amazing. We're just catching up on some stories of what students ask in your encounters. But I think, like, when you talk about a house, right, like, what does that mean to the listener? You know, like, what, what would you say about that? Mm-hmm. like a house that we live in and yeah. what it looks like. Yeah, or just like what it feels like. What is that? Like what are sister what is What's what your is, life like? Yeah, mm-hmm. what do sisters mm-hmm. do all day? Yeah. Oh yeah. I love that question. question. <laughs> yeah. I think it depends on what uh where you are in religious life in terms of formation because our sisters who are postulants and novices, their days are going to be filled with classes. Um, whereas Sister Mary Catherine and I, we both are mm. professed, younger professed, and so we actually have what's called an apostolate, like our mission that flows from our charism. Mm. Um but we always begin our day very early at five o'clock for most of the week. Five a.m. <laughs> I hope there's wow. coffee. <laughs> is there coffee? No, this After is proof prayer. that grace. Yeah, chapel this is like right to chapel. <laughs> oh, this is proof gosh. that God's grace is mm-hmm. real because I know I'm not a morning person, and mm-hmm. with that, I could never have done it if I weren't called. Um, so definitely God's grace is real. But so we get up, we always have, we pray the liturgy of the hours throughout the day. We actually have a total of four hours of prayer every day, at least not mm-hmm. all together, but we play morning prayer, office of readings, midday prayer, evening prayer, Compline throughout the day. Um, we're also in silence for half of the day because we're a contemplative active community. And so oh. the morning is actually, um, after we have prayers and mass and, uh, we eat breakfast, the morning is usually our work in silence. Uh, it's also good to note that we eat three meals a day together. Um, it's mm. very important. Our founder, John Carnell Connor, he found it very important to eat together and to really be a family. Like community life was very um, primary in his heart for a religious community. Mm. So, um, he desired that we would eat together. It's also mm. part of just restoring the life of the family, you know? Ooh, so we eat three I meals a day that. together, two of them in silence, um, listening to table reading, feeding our hearts as we're feeding our tummies. Um, <laughs> one meal is talking and joking around and talking about the day. Um, the afternoon's also pretty apostolic. Um, we also have some time for a personal time. We call it recreation. Uh, in the evening, there's usually what we call community recreation. I said it with quotations, but it's like our time together as a community. So we talk or play games or um, do different things. And then we go to we go to bed generally at least able to have at least seven hours of sleep. But you could make it to get a little earlier if you're disciplined. <laughs> Yeah. I love how uh, like you just gave the most disciplined day, and then you're like, <laughs> well, if you're disciplined. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you, you said like family, like you're a family. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think yeah. that's so important for our listeners to hear today that when you're discerning religious life, mm-hmm. that you're actually plugging into a new family. Mm-hmm. That it's not like you're walking this road alone. If you give yourself to Jesus in this way, mm-hmm. uh, there's all these sisters around you that are supporting you and loving you and praying for you. Now, contemplatives in action, say a little bit more about that, because I think some of our listeners need to hear about that today. Mm-hmm. Like, c- can we do that? Is that, like, for everybody? Or what mm-hmm. What does that look like? Why is that important for us to hear today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what? Oh, 
Go ahead. I would say that, um, so Cardinal O'Connor, who founded us, who began the Sisters of Life, he really was very involved in the pro-life movement, and he did a lot of works uh, for the pro-life movement and did a lot of prayer um, uh, prayer vigils for pro-life in the cathedral, but he was struck when he, he read Mark's gospel, and it said, um, the part where he said, this demon can only be cast out with prayer and fasting. Mm. And so that he was very convicted of that, that um, this time in the world was needed a religious order um, committed to prayer and fasting as the way to um, be a part of this pro-life movement. And so um, he was very big on that all of our apostolates would flow from our prayer. And so Mm. um, to really be committed to our prayer. So like you were saying that we're on the road this week and we're doing a lot, but sister has been very committed to keeping that time of prayer because really that's where our love is most fruitful is when we're giving our hearts totally to Jesus and totally, you know, kind of crucifying ourselves and our own needs for the Lord to come through there and to pour forth his love and we trust in those efficacious graces more importantly than anything I could do tangibly with my hands or any words that I could speak that if, you know, if I really want to get this email done or I need to do this or that thing that when the bell rings and it's time for prayer, it's actually the greatest thing I can do for, for women in need is to stop what I'm doing and to go and approach the Lord and give my heart totally to him and in that he brings forth the fruit he brings forth the mm. the needs uh, of our time and ultimately it fills my heart with with the love that he wants to give me as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and would that be all oh. be contemplatives in action like this is the nature of the christian life right mm-hmm. not limited to religious life and i actually keep thinking of something my brother said to me so my brother he's older he's married he just had his second little boy is a few months old now and he was telling me about these chairs that he was assembling in the house and he was having a really rough time and he was like you know as I was putting these chairs together I started just thinking about you know Joseph and the holy family and how he had to you know just kind of leave everything and go through Egypt and take care of everything and just what that would have been like and I was so amazed that this was him contemplating this while he was fixing a chair Mm -hmm. and it actually was forming his heart like towards his family and towards his family life like it was orienting him to live Mm -hmm. a particular way with his family so yeah our contemplation actually is feeding like the way our way of being which Mm -hmm. is like how we're living absolutely so it sounds like prayer Mm -hmm. is first yeah and the action Mm -hmm. just kind of flows from that yeah, and I think that's yeah. the thing that sometimes we can confuse, uh, especially for the listeners today, is that sometimes we think action first, then prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, but prayer and that relationship with the Lord always has to precede action. Mm-hmm. And I know it sounds too simple, but it's so powerful to be able to let to let, like let that happen in your life, mm-hmm. um, because it's always being before action. Yeah. Like it always has mm-hmm. to proceed from feeling that belovedness as a daughter as a son Mm -hmm. and that's where right action comes from and i think Mm -hmm. it also brings to mind father chris will appreciate this this idea of uh you know oh well you know my work is my prayer and i think we saw this in some movements following the second vatican council that you know all of a sudden these movements didn't have the the life and the the zeal and the fervor that Mm -hmm. that we we thought or we hoped that they would and i think uh, even today, sometimes you'll hear some people say, well, Father, my prayer is my work. And mm-hmm. and I say, I get that. And I think to your point, sister, about your brother, like saying, look, I'm contemplating. And that's right. Like for, for a layman to be contemplating the life of St. Joseph as, as you're serving your family, that's mm-hmm. absolutely contemplation happening mm-hmm. in work. But I think especially for religious life, right, for all of our women listening today, 
like, why does why can it not just be prayer is my work? Mm-hmm. Or work is my prayer. There, okay. that, yeah, there we go. <laughs> work is my prayer. Yeah. Oh, like yeah, that's that's my that's yeah. my prayer is my work. Yeah. So what what do you think about that? Yeah, I would say I think well. A little bit. So I I live in a mission where um, it's actually a shelter for pregnant women to come and live with us. And so I um, this kind of happens a lot in like in my life, uh, living out my prayer. I'm always with my mission. I'm always with these these wonderful women who choose life. I'm always hearing babies crying. There's always a need um, to, to go and help with. There's always that opportunity. And I think it's it's tempting to always try to be on. There's always mm-hmm. um, try to be on to, as soon as I leave the chapel, to do all these things or even to um, tell a mom, like, oh, I'm just going to go be praying. If you need help, I'll be in there. You can come pull me. It's so easy to, to think that you need to do that. But I've seen um, time and time again, even, you know, these women to come to, come to prayer on their own, just seeing the witness of the sisters who, like uh, the sisters go into the chapel all the time and the sisters have this this life and this joy that for some reason it comes from that place that room like what is that and so without even saying anything to them they'll want to come into the chapel on their own they'll want to have the babies baptized because they recognize the fruit of our life and love comes directly from our prayer not from any conversation that we have from them but so i'm curious like so here in i mean clearly you're devoted to prayer Mm -hmm. like how did you like, what schools of prayer influence the Sisters of Life? Uh, maybe that's something personal, but is it, you know, because, you know, every every kind of order has a charism, as mm-hmm. you kind of r- referred to. And um, th- what what type of prayer have you been exposed to? What's shaped your prayer life? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think our community, like, we're not Dominicans, we're not Benedictines, like, we're a very kind of our own community. And so it, it there is a difference, like, in every sister and what she's particularly attracted to. Um, I will say that in our community, we do have an annual eight-day retreat that is Ignatian-directed, and we've learned about Ignatian prayer. And we're, you know, highly encouraged that we pray a prayer called the Examine, um, which is an Ignatian prayer where you look through the day, really, and you actually look through it with the Lord, um, just examining where he was at work in your heart, what you saw, how you were affected by things, and just going through all that with the Lord at the end of your day. Um, Apart from those things, I mean, we do have we pray with the gospel readings in the day we have a 45 minute meditation, but it's not, you know, there's no specific particular spirituality per se or Mm -hmm. school of prayer. I think every sister is drawn to something different. Um, as long as we're rooted in the scriptures, um, that's kind of a primary thing for us. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you'd add anything, but yeah, and I think this is this is not particular to the Sisters of Life, but I think many religious um, go on an eight-day silent retreat every year as well. So that's usually Ignatian too. So to have, and you every time you go on a retreat, that kind of fuels your prayer throughout the entire year. So mm. it's a, a time where you really are um, separated from your apostolate and you stay in silence, totally with the Lord for eight days, and that that is yeah that cultivates your relationship with Him. So that's very Ignatian as well. We usually have. Um, a very Ignatian spiritual that, that contemplating, right? So absolutely. I don't, uh, Father Timothy Gallagher, did he, did, has he directed you guys? Mm-hmm. Oh, f- yeah, of yeah. course, right? And he's he's helped us. The big guns retreats. for that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> so uh, if you haven't checked him out, you can check that stuff out. If you're interested in, in Ignatian spirituality, discerninghearts.com has some great it's resources solid. to that. We love solid. discerning hearts. Right? We listen yeah, to it at table reading all the time. And um, the examine, yep. his talks on yeah. that, the interview mm-hmm. process. Yeah. 
But I can't help but think of like we talked about Joseph, but also Mary, right? I was going to say, actually, the one thing I know, like I've heard other sisters say, we definitely as a community would claim Mary in spirituality mm. for sure. Every sister devoted to Our Lady and just how like her receptivity and receiving the word and contemplating the word um, and letting, you know, him fuel everything, everything she does, everything she is actually. Yeah. And that gets me thinking now. And I think that's going to be our, our theme, our topic for today is the pillars of your spiritual life as a community seems mm-hmm. to be time with Jesus and the blessed sacrament mm-hmm. and also claiming Mary as your mother and your patron. So, uh, you know, I've worked with a number of, of young adult discerners, both men and women. And sometimes I'll say, you got to just draw n- close to the Eucharist, draw close to Mary. Mm-hmm. And just putting those two things up as like the two pillars of solid discernment. Like if you really want to know, be open to God's will, somehow it's like intimately connected to your relationship with Jesus and the Eucharist mm-hmm. and your relationship to Mary. But for our listeners today, I think sometimes it can be confusing for young people to hear like, oh, I have to be married in Eucharistic. Okay. <laughs> um, that sounds amazing. And I yeah. love that. But like, what is that? What does, like, that, even what, mean? What does that mean? And like, yeah. yeah. So like, can you start to unpack that for our listeners a little bit today? Like mm-hmm. they're really discern. say it's a young adult discerner, men or women, men or, you know, man or woman. And they're, they just want to, they want us to take the next step. They want to say yes, but they still haven't followed those solid supports yet. And they hear a lot about Eucharistic and Marian spirituality, but I think sometimes it's hard for them to mm-hmm. put concrete images on what that means and how that could fuel you know, their prayer life and, and being able to say yes to their call. So what do you think, mm-hmm. sisters? Yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful question. I think, well, I did, I, um, I feel very, yeah, very strongly that to cultivate your relationship with Jesus, you have to spend time with him. And he chose to, he chooses to stay with us. I like to say that Jesus came in the incarnation and he never left. And he chooses to remain with us in the Eucharist and that that speaks so much to how he wants us to remain here as well and and how to live amongst in this world that is difficult he remains here with us too so um and a lot of a lot of people will also say that God's first language is silence Mm -hmm. and so the reality that God remains with us Jesus is here in the in the blessed sacrament as much as he was you know walking on the water and, and in Jerusalem he is just as present with us and so he is our spouse he is the one who gives us this love this desire to be totally his so to spend time with him in the Eucharist um, was essential for me when I was discerning that was something that I knew I need to be close to you and where you are is in the blessed sister sacrament. what did that look like tell us just a little bit as you were discerning like mm-hmm. like what did it look like when you were when spending time with the blessed sacrament you know I definitely I I found places that had Eucharistic adoration to actually see him in the in the Eucharist is is very important and to make to make that time I signed up for an, uh, a nocturnal holy hour actually so oh. <laughs> I did one <laughs> and so in the middle of the night because um, I was like I wasn't you, you know you don't know what you're gonna do at three o'clock on a Friday or you don't know when you're gonna be able to to actually have a time every week so I was like well I always know I'll be available at midnight. <laughs> 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 That's I'm pretty awesome. sure I'm free. <laughs> um, but it was, I loved that because it was, it was a time that was very quiet. The rest of the world was asleep and, and I knew that God was always awake that, and then I could really go and speak to him and spend time with him in prayer. And um, at first when I would first go and I would tell him all about me, I would be like, here I am. And here's what it's like to be me. <laughs> and here, are wh- here's what I need. And then I think, and then eventually it, when, um, yeah, I started to really learn about prayer and the importance of listening. Um, I gave Jesus 
I gave Jesus the microphone. I was like, Jesus, what do you mm-hmm. think? What do you desire for my life? And taking that time to just sit and rest in his presence sometimes was enough as well, just to just enough to be with him. And that 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 showed me who I am in his eyes too, that there's really nothing that I need to say, that he wants to just stay with me and, and be with me in the Blessed Sacrament. He wants to be here so that he can rest in my presence and, and show me that he loves me and that I don't have to do anything or say anything. And I think from that cultivated just my own ability to say that I, I was falling in love with, with God, with um, Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Yeah. Amazing. I just mm-hmm. want to start clapping right there. That was incredible. <laughs> but yeah, I think so. That's It sounds like you start to flesh out a little bit what a Eucharistic spirituality means, which means, first of all, silence, mm-hmm. you know, presence, and listening. Mm-hmm. Like it really is just a place of trying to quiet your heart enough to say, Lord, what is it you want to mm-hmm. speak to me? Like, mm-hmm. and actually being willing to receive that. So, yeah. you know what's cool though is like that initially you were just like, you're like that kid before mom <laughs> or dad, just like, like <laughs> saying everything you needed to say, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then like the Lord gave you that space. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you entered into the silence and your, and your heart just kind of mm-hmm. enlarged. So yeah. here we are with Eucharistic mm-hmm. spirituality then. And then all of a sudden you move to Marian spirituality. So it's all about this disposition to be open mm-hmm. enough yeah, absolutely. to give yeah. yourself totally to that. So yeah. do you want to say anything about what a Marian spirit, like what mm-hmm. that looks yeah. like, Marian? Yeah, absolutely. There's just really, um, I think for me growing up, Our Lady just seems so distant, like a really beautiful statue that was just in the church somewhere and not relatable to me at all. But it, I think it was in college when I grew in my faith, I came to realize just her... Um, essence as a woman like her femininity but just her gifts of receiving everything god has to give and being open to to his voice um and so especially just as a mother like i think sometimes when we discern we're scared to give god our desires because we're scared he's going to like crush them or something when actually he wants to give us the fullness of desires and just how our lady never stopped trusting in the love of the father like she always placed her heart her desires in his hands with the fullest trust as a beloved daughter. And so um, even more so, like, how does she know, like, A, to live like that with trust in the love of the Father, that he knows our heart and he knows our desires and he wants to fulfill them in a way that exceeds what we would ever expect in this life. But then even to let our desires in our heart be entrusted in her hands. Um, I keep thinking of this time when I was before, when I was discerning and I was just reminded of how well she knows our desires, even before we speak them. You know, Mm. there was a firefighter in my town who passed away from a nine alarm fire that broke on one of the brownstone buildings in the city. Um, And it wasn't far from this Eucharistic Adoration Shrine, actually, that I would pray at. And I had this desire that day at work. I wanted to bring roses to that spot because this firefighter died at that station just down the street. Mm -hmm. And I had no money. I had no time. I actually needed to go help this young adult group that would start right after work. And so I didn't even utter a prayer. Like, I just, it was a desire. I'm like, I wish that I had roses for that firefighter. Mm -hmm. And so I went to the shrine early. Like, I ended up getting there early but I still didn't have money and I was praying and I kid you not this woman comes up to me with a bouquet of white roses and she says our lady wants you to have these and I was like what oh, wow <laughs> oh okay. and so my, I and I was like our lady. and then you smack the roses right out of her hand right <laughs> out of her hand I'm like thank you You're like, get I, out gotta, of here. I gotta get out of here <laughs> and I put them at that spot there was a memorial oh. building where wow. the firefighter had died and I put them there and I was like wow even before I uttered it, she knew the desire of my heart. And 
yeah, just how not to be afraid to place our desires in our hands because she knows and she knows that the father is safe and trustworthy. Mm. Ama- that's amazing. Wow. Mm. What? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Rewind, rewind that, that and listen to that. <laughs> just just every, everyone replay that right now. <laughs> but you know what's so amazing about these things when the Lord gives us these little blessings, Mary, Mary kind of, uh, you know, fulfills this desire. She knew it was there. She was, you know, a handmaid of the Lord in this whole process is like, it's not even about that. It's not about like a parlor trick or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just like the Lord had a good desire in your heart that he fulfilled, mm-hmm. which was bringing those roses and laying them at that that little shrine that had been mm-hmm. made for the firefighter. Mm-hmm. Isn't that how yeah. God just um, just works? And Mary's like right there. Yeah, yeah, and I think just like, again, trying to connect these two pillars of discernment for our listeners mm-hmm. today, mm-hmm. this idea that with Eucharistic devotion, you're mm-hmm. literally just trying to open your heart completely. And mm-hmm. with Marian devotion, who opened, there's no one who opened her heart more, yeah. right? So much so that she conceived Jesus in her mm-hmm. womb, like yeah. literally totally open and trusting mm-hmm. and receptive. And I think especially trusting, mm-hmm. that's yeah. the big word, right? Mm-hmm. So for our, d- our listeners today, uh, as you consider Eucharistic and Marian devotion, in your own life, getting yourself to a place by utilizing both of these devotions, uh, that you get to a place of complete and utter trust. But sisters, it's so hard to trust. <laughs> right. So now, isn't, there complete and sisters, trust. isn't there a prayer that <laughs> you do <laughs> in <laughs> regards to trust? <laughs> oh, let's hear it. What we got? The litany of trust? Yes. Can you can you wrap it? <laughs> um, yeah, we do have a song. I don't know if anyone wants to go on YouTube. There is a song. One of the sisters put the litany of trust to a song, and it's beautiful. Oh wow! I'll spare you singing it. Right now, I would I enjoy that, that, but yeah, I'll, I'll let you yeah. choose. Yeah, yeah. We, that's amazing. We did just hand out about how many litanies did we bring? Oh, I grabbed 400? everything our suitcase could pass. I accidentally cleared out like our whole mother house of litanies yeah. of trust. Now mm-hmm. that they know that they've done that, they'll have to order some more. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> the of a trust. lot. Every school, we handed it out to pretty much every mm-hmm. student, right? Wow. I don't think we, we like just made it. It was miraculous. Yeah. What is, now what's this litany of trust all about? This litany of trust, it's all about trust. What? Trust. <laughs> Isn't that shocking? Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I think, yeah, it was written by, by one of our sisters um, just at a time when she really needed to trust in the Lord, when she, she felt called to really cultivate that spirituality in her own heart and it really i think what when i pray it i was first given it when i first entered the convent and i prayed it every single day Mm. um there's many places it it really is it places um god's love in places that may be burdened in our heart like it um where i feel unloved i trust you jesus or where or the part of it is deliver me jesus where i feel unloved deliver me jesus or Mm -hmm. from the need to constantly uh, seek myself deliver me jesus or from the fear of really trusting you um like deliver me jesus and so i think the way i think about it is it opens these places in my heart that may be blocked from from trusting god or really believing who who god is um I it could keep. I could be on a level where I really think I'm okay, but I could be living at a mediocre level of faith. But I think this this prayer has really helped me to live at a, a new level of trusting God, which helps you to truly like live and be alive and mm. have joy. Yeah. Some prayers like rack you. Right? Oh yeah, like in a good like way. Litany oh, of yeah. humility. Yeah, yes. it's like so smooth. great until it's the part where it's like, let others be esteemed more than I. And you're like, <laughs> oh man, ouch. <laughs> but I feel like the litany of trust does that, but it lifts you up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. Yeah, like mm-hmm. th- there's a, a couple of lines that like 
that my suffering united to your own will bear fruit in this life and the next, that mm-hmm. you will not leave me orphan, that mm-hmm. you are present in your church. Mm-hmm. Your plan is better than anything else. Like, it's just, it's mm-hmm. uplifting. Yeah. 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 So encouraging. Yeah. And I, I think just thinking about Eucharistic and Marian spirituality in my own discernment before I entered seminary, um, totally forgot where I was going with this. You ever have that happen? No, but I do remember that you and I met each other yeah. right when you were entering seminary. Absolutely. And uh, that was the ordination yeah, that was a quite, a, a, quite a meeting. I'll never forget that. It was, <laughs> he was the first, like, uh, you know, priest outside. I don't of know how to take that, actually. Father O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> it's memorable. It was very memorable. But no, I, yeah, I just think that idea of trusting mm-hmm. to the point where, that's where I was going with this, that you realize, especially in the silence in front of the Blessed Sacrament, as you pray in and through the Blessed Mother, you know, under her mantle, that you realize that, oh my gosh, like, even though I... I think I said yes to him. Mm-hmm. Mm. There's so many parts of my heart I haven't given to him yet. Yeah. And like, that's like very shocking and unsettling, but also so liberating mm-hmm. where you're like, oh my gosh, even today as a priest, I'm still holding back pieces mm-hmm. of my heart. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like the most amazing thing about this trust. And I think that's where Eucharistic and Marian devotion mm-hmm. can take a discerner to the next level as saint louis mm-hmm. de montfort said the straightest line to jesus is through mary and mm-hmm. so uh i think with terms of that trust like mary who she handed over her entire heart her entire body mm-hmm. as, as a living sacrifice of praise mm-hmm. and oblation mm-hmm. i don't know if that resonates at all but just this idea that uh, for our listeners out there like give him everything he like doesn't he doesn't just want bits and pieces of you he wants all of you I don't know any thoughts about that mm-hmm. and I would say he wants all of you even the not so pretty parts that we're afraid of hmm. yeah. I think that's the thing we're kind of like you know it's we one time we had a priest who was like blessing the house and we had to like shut this closet door that had all this like stuff <laughs> in it we're like just don't let him go in that room <laughs> it's a little scary in there and I think in our hearts we have places like that where we're like I want to give you everything Lord but not that room that's mm-hmm. a scary room and yeah. I think the reality is like God loves us and he sees the whole of us and the whole of our story and nothing surprises him or scares him like I think our natural instinct when we see the ugly is to back away, but he doesn't. He leans mm-hmm. in in mercy. Um, and so to know just like his love far exceeds whatever places in our hearts that we're afraid of, wherever there's broken pieces or places that need to be healed, he desires to do that. And that's part of letting him come close. Like the intimacy will actually bring healing in those mm-hmm. places. Yeah. So amazing. Oh my gosh. It's beautiful. You know, I have to, I have to make a point because you talked about femininity. Like it's so healthy and it's both masculine and feminine, this desire and need for intimacy. Mm-hmm. Right. So to hear the sisters talk about it, it you know, it makes a hundred percent sense to hear father Hage talk about it. It's like, it makes a hundred percent sense. It's like, mm-hmm. we're all made for this mm-hmm. and it's not conforming to, to what the world is saying. It's actually conforming our, ourselves to, to what God created us to be. Yeah. Amen. On that mm-hmm. note, I think we're coming to close to the end here, mm-hmm. but I do want to leave our listeners with a few words of uh, advice uh, from our sisters here today. So say it's a young woman, a young man who is really struggling in trust. Mm-hmm. Like they're just, they, they're like, they might say, Hey father, I've been discerning for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's, I just can't give myself to this yet. I just mm-hmm. don't trust it. I, I don't trust myself. 
what mm-hmm. what what are words of advice for somebody who's wrestling with trust today who might be yeah. listening who wants to take that next step but there's just something holding them back mm-hmm. i'd say one thing practical that helped that helped me um is the angelus uh, we pray the angelus three times a day and just praying with the blessed mother's fiat um, behold the handmaid of the lord be it done unto me according to thy word um i think it wasn't even until after when we enter religious life we pray that three times a day and um, it is still an act at many acts of trust, even as you enter and you, you let go of everything that you once knew. And I realized that, um, I cannot say yes without the blessed mother's yes. That actually, I, I need her yes in order to say yes. And so I think praying the Angelus, um, and really praying with where Mary was at when she said yes, um, to Jesus, um, helped me know the, the great yes that I stand in that and and what it brought her and the and what that yes has brought me and then thinking about in the future how many people will be blessed if I just say yes like this even if I'm poor even if I feel you know totally woozy in my stomach <laughs> <I'm gonna laughs> <say yes. laughs> um, but the the fruit of that that um, the goodness that comes from a yes even though it's difficult um, is, mm-hmm. is worth it Amen. Sister, mm-hmm. Sister Fasadi, what do you think? Yeah. Someone is wrestling with trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd say, hey, welcome to the club. We're part of being human that we're doing this. And yet, um, for me, I'm just always reminded that trust isn't based on what I feel, but in, you know, making acts of faith in proclamations of truth in my mm. heart, you know, like, God, I know that you love me. I know that you are a good father. Um, the thought that kind of keeps coming to me is that line from St. Therese. I have to say, I have spent years running from St. Therese because everyone <laughs> loves her and I needed to go the other way. But she is really known for her bold confidence and the love of the Father. And I love that. And she has this line that she tells one of her priest adoptees, um, do not drag yourself to the feet of Jesus. Follow that first impulse that brings you to his arms, for that is your place. And so never being afraid to be drawn into the arms of Jesus and to be honest about the fact that you struggle with trust. You know, let him come into those places and speak truth there. Wow. Mic drop. Mic drop. (laughs) Oh, I wish I could drop our mics right now. (laughs) They're on stands. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, sisters, for joining us today. And we're so blessed by your presence here at our our studio here in in Diocese of Syracuse. And uh, just to everybody who's listening tonight, say a special prayer uh, because the sisters will be leading a few young adult women on retreat this evening who are considering religious life. And I think it's just so beautiful, again, that you can bless our diocese with your witness, your presence, but most especially your joy. So until next time here on Vocation Chats, Father Chris and I signing off. God bless. And we're out. We out. I've been down the same road you're stumbling on. Rode the same ride.